has any value at all unless you do with the right motivation. The right motivation on how we should be doing things in life is the motivation should be love. You, you might be doing a lot of things, a lot of good things, but if the motivation is not love, if the motivation is something else, then it has no value. So the foundation upon the one we should build anything in life, it should be the foundation of love and what love does. And so first, uh, first Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 7, the Apostle Paul tells us two things in this, in the, two, two main things that he, tell, he, he, he tells us in this uh, text. And one of them is, what happens in the absence of love? Verse 1 to 3, Paul tells us what happens in the absence of love. So in the absence of love, whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you say, it doesn't matter what it is, no matter how much you know, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, if you do it with the wrong attitude, if you do it with the wrong motivation, if you don't do it with the motivation motivated by love, it has no value. That, that's what that's what is that's what's in the absence of love, and in the presence of love, he tells us exactly what sh- what, what it should be, the way we should live our life, what it should be like. In the presence of love, this is how your behavior should be. So in the absence of love, nothing has value at all. And in the presence of love, this is how you should behave. And he goes from verse 4 all the way to verse 7. In those four verses, he tells us uh, you know, exactly how should we behave if there's love present in our life. So in, in these verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 7... Love is personified. This is what a person who loves does. Now, there's there's a very important thing here for us to notice. What is the context? When when Paul gets to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, what is the context in what he's basing these, uh, these, these seven verses? The context is very interesting. Because the, the Corinthian church, the people in Corinth, they, they used to brag about their love. They used to brag about that they love each other, they care for each other, but their behavior was completely the opposite. So they were not behaving as people who love one another. As a matter of fact, if you leave First Corinthians all the way from chapter 1, all the way to chapter 13, the, for the Corinthian church, let me tell you, if I was desperate to go pastor a church, I would never go to the Corinthian church. I don't know if you know the context of the Corinthian church, but these people in Corinth, uh, Corinth was a place uh, that he had, uh, to, to begin with, he, has, he had two ports, so they were very wealthy, a lot of them were very wealthy people, they spoke many languages in there, they had a lot of knowledge, uh, they, they, they were always bragging about themselves. They were always bragging about themselves, but they were always fighting and arguing with each other. And so in that context, there was a point where Paul had to get on their case because they were, they were always divided. They were dividing the church. They were dividing their families. They would be fighting with one another. They were carnal Christians. They were brought about being wiser than, you know, from the others. And, uh, and they were very unloyal people. So there were very negative people, and there was so much stuff going on in the Corinthian church, that so many negative things that were happening there in this church, they were very impatient with 
one another. The ones that had a lot of money, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you can read that they were not waiting for, for one another to do communion together. So the rich people in this church were bringing good food to the communion. And they were eating the food before the poor Christians got there, so they didn't have to share with them. And so Paul gets on their case for that and talks to them about communion. And, but they were still bragging about loving one another. They were loving one another in their mind. They were loving one another. They weren't listening very well to, to each other. Uh, they, they, were, they were just a very carnal, simple church. So at this point, when all this is happening in the first 12 verses, uh, in the first 12 chapters of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul comes in and says, So you guys are bragging about loving one another? So you guys claim to have love for each other, but this is how you are behaving? So if you claim to love one another, Paul tells them, this is exactly what love is. And then, you know, Paul tells them, you know, I'll let you know this. If your motivation is not love, it doesn't matter if, you're, if I speak in tongues of man or, or angel, he says in verse 1 to 3. But if you don't have love, I'm only a resounding gun or clinging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can find that all my mystery, all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all, all, all I possess to the poor and give over, my, give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. So basically Paul is telling them, it doesn't matter how many languages I speak, because they were bragging about that. And, and he said, it doesn't matter how, much, how many gifts, spiritual gifts I have. It doesn't matter how much money I give. It doesn't matter how many sacrifices I make. If the motivation to that is not love, it's worthless. It has no value. I gain nothing, he says. So he's telling them, he's teaching them what love really does. Because again, they were bragging about being a loving church, but they were always fighting. They were always arguing. I mean, they were such an immoral church to the point that the, the, the son of a man took his own father's wife at one point. And the church, instead of the church being sad and hurting for, from that, they were bragging about it. They were like, man, look at the kid. The kid is better than the dad. He took his wife. And they were bragging about it. And Paul is like, how dare you guys do that and say you love each other? So it was a really messed up place. It was a really messed up church. So Paul tells them and makes sure he wants to clear, make it clear to them, if you really say you love, Whatever you do has to be motivated by real love. So what is real love? And then Paul tells him in verse 4, Love is, and he begins by saying, Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. You know that these people in Corinth, they were even taking, taking each other to court. And then Paul has to tell them, hey, you, you shouldn't do that. You are believers. Don't take to the non-believers the issues of a Christian. But you should fix this yourself if you really love each other. And but they were they, they were they, they, they did not honor each other. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no, no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. 
It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. All the contrary to how the Corinthians were behaving. They were behaving completely in a different way. So, so Paul is teaching them how to, uh, you know, how to love. This is exactly what love does. And today in the world, everybody has a definition of love. Everybody has their own definitions of love. Uh, even, you know, a lot of people, they keep on questioning, just like foreigner did, right? I want to know what love is. Well, and, God, and God is the only one who knows what love is. And will tell us what love is and what love does. You know, the, in, this four, in these four verses, verse 4, 5, 6, and 7, we find 50 different verses of what love does. Because love is not a feeling. You know, love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment. It's commitment to act in love, to be motivated by love. Otherwise, it has no value. What you say, what you do has no value at all. And God tells you, uh, you know, God tells us here in 1 Corinthians exactly what it is. So, in this 15 verse, the Apostle Paul is describing love so they can straight up their act. They were doing the wrong thing. They were doing the wrong thing. And the first action on this list of what love does is an action that we have a hard time with. He said, love is what? Patient. Love is patient. This is contrary to what, how they were behaving. Now the question is, if love is patient, because we, we're always looking for the definition of love. But if love is patient, how patient are we? How patient are you? We're supposed to love. And the Bible says that God is love, therefore we're supposed to love, and if we love, and love is patient, the question is, are we patient? How many of you love to get behind somebody on the freeway that's driving really slow? Hmm, that tells me a lot. How many of you love to stand in line and wait, and wait, and wait. How patient are we? Because this is what love is. Love is patient. It, it, it seems to me, uh, perhaps, you have heard the expression that says, Lord, give me patience, but please hurry up. <laughs> give me patience, but please hurry up. It seems to me that this expression shows us, you know, shows us how most people live in the world today. Patience is a very important attitude that we must all pursue in our lives. We should pursue it with all of our heart. That is why, let me begin with this question, are you a patient person? If you're a believer and you love and you have the love of God in you, are you a patient person? If love is patient, then we need to understand what patience is. Because a lot of times we might say, you know what, I thought I was being patient. But in reality, we're not a lot of times. And so what is patience? So some of the definitions of patience is, is that patience is the ability to tolerate misfortunes and adversities or annoying, especially annoying people, right? 
Do you know any annoying person? You're supposed to love them. That means you're supposed to be patient with them. And, and, and you know, and, and, and it's, it's, to, it's to be able to tolerate these things. To be able to tolerate some, sometimes when we get offended by others. To tolerate them with strength, without complaining, without rebelling. It, it is to have calm and tranquility while you wait for something. Patience is the attitude that lead, leads the human to be able to endure setbacks and difficulties. To achieve something that is good. It's supposed to help you endure. Patience is the human ability to endure or tolerate annoying, irritating, or adversity situations in order to accomplish something good. Patience is it's interpreted as the ability to wait for things to happen without anticipating or worrying excessively as you wait for that to happen. Patience is an expression of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit has nine expressions. And one of those expressions, if you have the Spirit of God in you, you have the power to be patient. Because a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, when they don't want to be patient, they want to make an excuse for that. And they say, it's so hard to be patient. But if you're a believer, and God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives in you, you have the power to be patient. You choose not to be patient, which is very different. A lot of times we choose not to do certain things. It's not that we cannot do it. But to find an excuse for ourselves, a lot of times we just say, you know, I just couldn't do it. No, you can. Choose, choose, choose not to. It's the, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the expressions. It is the attitude, the result from living a life, cultivating spiritual life in a person. So if you're cultivating your spiritual life, you should be growing in patience. That's what Galatians uh, chapter 5 says. It's one of the expressions of real love here in our text. Love is patient. And patient is an active and a dynamic word. A lot of times we misunderstand this word. We, we, we think it's something that, you know what, the patient, you just got to stay still. No, patience in the Bible, patience in the Bible is actually an active and a, and a dynamic word. It, it, even, do, it, even though most people consider patience to be a passive uh, way or a gentle tolerance, almost all Greek words in the New Testament translate patience, in, in the New Testament are translated as dynamic and active words. Let's consider an example. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Just to give you an example of how active patience is. Therefore, we too, having around our great cloud of witnesses, let us shed ourselves of all weight in the sin that besits us, and let us run with patience. So, so when we're running with patience, it doesn't mean we stay still. It doesn't mean we don't do anything in others' favors and, and try to help others. It means that while we help others, while we do the right thing, we are waiting with patience at the same time. So it's an active word. So we run with patience. So you're doing something at the same time that you're waiting for the right results that only can come from God. And run with patience the race that is set before us. So just to understand this completely, let's, let's, let's look at the, at the Greek word 
The Greek root for patience is makrotomia. And the word in Greek, makrotomia, is put, is put together from two different words. Makro and tumos. Makro means long. This is what patience is according to the Bible. Makro means long and tumos means temperament. So when you say you are a patient person, what the Bible is telling you is that you are a person of long temperament. It denotes endurance, support, ability to withstand something without being altered. It's the faculty of knowing how to wait when something is desired a lot. It's it's, it's being resilient. It's having resilience in the face of adversity and strength to withstand a test that you're going through. And you hear what's being said about an impatient person? It's been said about an impatient person, that person has a short use. Right? So what the Greek word here is telling us is that a person who is patient is a person who has, who has a long fuse. You don't have a short fuse, but you have a long fuse. In other words, a patient person is a person who knows how to wait. Who's patiently waiting for something, for the right thing to happen, for the right moment, for the right time. Somebody who has a long fuse, who doesn't lose it right away when somebody's annoying. Who doesn't lose it right away when somebody keeps on complaining. Who doesn't lose it right away when somebody keeps on bringing negative stuff, negative, you know, negative words, negative situations into your life. So, so when you love, you develop the ability to withstand something without being altered, or you develop endurance. So you develop endurance, you develop that resistance. That when other people keep on making, doing things to make you impatient, you are patient. You develop endurance. You develop endurance. And I can, I can tell you a lot of stories about developing endurance. But developing endurance for patience is not as simple as, as we can just imagine, or, or, or the way it sounds. You develop endurance, you develop resistance. Patient loves. And, and, and patient basically supports, receives. And, and it's, love is not just patient, love is kind. So patience is taking it. You take it. Kindness is you give. So when you love somebody and you are patient with that person, a lot of times you got to take it. And, and some people... You know, I hear people say before, you know what, I don't take it from nobody. Well, if you love somebody, you're supposed to learn to take it. And and you'll see, you'll see what the Bible says about that. Is it easy to take it? No. Because love is not arrogant. Love is not prideful. But the reason we don't like to take it is because we're prideful. How dare are they going to talk to me like that? How dare are they going to treat me like that? And we're always claiming our, this is my right, this is my right, this is my right. Well, guess what? The Bible says that the only, the, the only right we have is to die because of our sins. Everything else has been given by the grace of God. We should be thankful that He has saved us, even though we didn't even deserve that. And, but that is fiction. You are able to endure, to have resilience 
in the face of adversity. When you're going through trials, when you're going through adversity, you, you have resilience and strength to withstand that test. In other words, you don't have a short fuse. You don't, you don't get angry just for anything. But you have a long fuse, not a short fuse. How many of you like, like to be called, hey, you, you know, this guy has a short fuse. Nobody likes that. So that's what patience is. How do you learn patience? Have you ever prayed for patience? Have you ever prayed for patience? Be honest with me. Most people say, you know what, I don't pray for patience anymore. And I, and, I, and I ask, why don't you pray for patience anymore? Because every time I ask for patience, what happens is God puts me through the test. And God puts me through the test and He puts situations in my life that are going to make me, you know, lose it. And I'm like, well, how do you think you're going to learn it? You think it's just going to come by magic and it, it appears in my life and I'm already a patient person. No. Patience is a process. How do you learn patience? God will put you in situations that you are going to be tested and you are going to be tempted to lose it. You are going to be tempted to have a short fuse and God is going to put you in those situations so you can endure, so you can train. It's like saying, I want to, I want to grow muscles. But I don't want to go to the gym and lift weights. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool, huh? And they tell you on TV, they tell you on TV, hey, buy this pill, you get this pill, and you lose all the weight. Have you ever tried that? No, don't tell me that. <laughs> you know, people go and they get the pill and they and they, they, they they're gonna lose the weight. You don't lose the weight by doing that. You don't build muscle by staying and saying, you know what, if I drink all this protein, my muscles are gonna grow. No, you gotta go to the gym and you gotta work it out. So how are you going to learn patience? God is going to put you in situations where you are going to have to be patient. Where you are going to be tested. Whether it's in your family, whether it's at your job, whether it's with your kids, with your husband, with your wives. God is going to put you in situations where you are going to have to put it in practice. But if you love, you will learn. To be patient with people. Let, let, let me show you a, 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 one, of, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's in 1 John chapter 4. And, and I just want to show you how we learn patience. Chapter 4 verse 16 and 17. John is telling, is telling the Christians uh, in this letter. How to test themselves if they're really believers. And, the, and, and he gives them the test of love. And in the test of love, he says in verse 16, We know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in His love. So we know how much God loves us, and we have trust in His love, because God is love. And all who live in love, live in God. All who live in love, live in God. And so if you live in love, love, Paul says, is patient. And God lives in them. So patience lives in them. Now the question is, do you put it in practice? You have the power to be a patient person. Do you put it in practice? But verse 17, I like verse 17 where it says, and, and, and as we live in God, because we live in God and God lives in us, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. What does that mean? 
What does it mean to love grows perfect? More perfect. What does that mean? That means that our love grows, it gives the idea that the love is what? That, that you grow what? That how do you grow? You grow in the process. It's a process. Nobody was born with patience. You are not born with patience. As a matter of fact, you are not born loving people. And so if somebody tells me, Pastor, you've been here for three months. I love you so much. Well, maybe you like me. <laughs> loving a person takes time. Well, and some, of, some of you might not like me. <laughs> Just kidding. But loving somebody is a process. How do you love somebody? It's a process. The more you get to know the person, the more, the more you get to spend time with that person, the more you get to love that person. You, 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 there's, no, there's no such a thing as love at first sight. There's no such a thing as that. No, you might have a crush. You might, you might like a person at first sight. But to love a person, to really love a person, to commit yourself and do those 15 verse that we read in verse 4 through 7 in 1 Corinthians 13, it takes time. It takes time. And it's a process. So if love is a process, and love is patient, patience is a process. Haven't you noticed that the older you get, the more patient you grow to be? No? I have. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm weird. But I tell you one thing. I remember when I first became a pastor 25 years ago, almost 26 years ago now. I remember the people would come to me with questions, and I would always give it to them black and white. Like, it is this or it's this. There was, there was no gray areas. And I was so I was so tough. And, and my worship team, if, if, if you're not coming with long dresses to your ankle and, and you, you don't wear a tie and a suit, you do not stand up there. I was very impatient. And, and I would not tolerate anything like that. I, I, as, as time goes, you learn to get to know people. You get to you get to, you learn human behavior more and more and more. And the more you go through your own trials and your own problems in life and your own adversity, the more you learn to understand people. In my case, I have learned to be way more... If you think I'm not patient, right? If I don't have any patience right now, you have no idea what I was like 26 years ago. You would not want me to be your pastor 26 years ago. Because I was not patient anymore. And you learn. And you grow. Because it's a process. It's a process. And, and so this is what gives us the idea here. John is, is saying love grows uh, more perfect. So as love grows, patience grows. So just as you grow in love, you also grow in patience. It, it doesn't just happen right away. You learn every day to be a person who practices patience with those you love. And if you don't learn patience, let me tell you, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You know why? Because we live surrounded by imperfect people. <laughs> and either you learn patience, or you're going to be driving yourself crazy every single day. So you have no choice. If you want to have a peaceful life, you have no choice. So why should I be patient with others? You know, why should I be patient? So I know what patience is. 
I know how I can, how I'm going to obtain patience. It's a process. But why should I have patience with others? Why can I not have it my way? Well, you should be patient with others because God has been patient with you. You don't think so? I can assure you God has been patient with you. As a matter of fact, He says in Lamentation chapter 3, God says that he, he, you haven't been consumed because of the patience of God. You know, God has been patient with us even, even before we became a believer. Patient for you, or patient with you, to come to repentance. Paul said he was very patient with him, just as he is patient with us. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, uh, Peter says, The Lord is not really being slow about his promise. So some of the believers in Peter's times, uh, some of the believers were like, You know what, the Lord is taking a long time to come back. You guys keep on telling us that the Lord will come back, the Lord will come back, the Lord will come back, the second coming of Christ, and we're going to go on the rapture of the church. And, and, and then we're getting impatient. And, 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 and Peter tells them, the, the Lord is not really being slow about His promise. It's not that He's slow. It's not that He's taking too long, as some people think. No. He is being patient for your sake. So God has been patient with us so we can come to the knowledge of Christ because He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed but He wants everyone to repent. So the reason you're still here and one of the reasons you're still here if you're not walking right with God is because God has patience that you will come and repent. That you will straighten up your act. That you will do the right thing. If, if you're living a life that is not pleasing to God, God is being patient with you. Don't take advantage of that. Don't take advantage of that and you're going to go the wrong way. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of God's patience and God will forgive you. And God will embrace you. And will set you on a straight path. So, so we should be patient also with others regarding their salvation. We need to keep on sharing. We need to keep on praying. We need to keep on hoping for our loved ones who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because love is patient. Don't lose patience with those people who are not believers. Keep on being patient. Keep on, but above all, keep on praying for them. God is patient. God has been patient with you. You got to be patient with those people too. God has also been patient when we complain about everything. Almost we complain about a lot of things in life, right? I was just thinking right now because I was sweating in the beginning. I'm like, man, I'm sweating. Before I was cold. Now I'm sweating. Now it's it's too hot. Then it's too cold. Then uh, you know we complain about everything. You remember the people of Israel when He took them out of Egypt? When he took them out of Egypt, you know, they, they, they were like, okay, so you brought us, they're in front, of the, in front of the Red Sea, and they're like, oh, so you brought us out, so we can die right here. They were already complaining. And then Moses, uh, the, the sea opens up, and they go, they get through, and they're okay. So they get to the other side. Lord, we want water. So God gives them water. You know, a little bit of water, but he, they said, you know, we don't want a beer. We want it. So he gives them sweet water, you know. 
Then they're like, you know, we want food. Then they get the manna, right? That was not enough. Lord, this is not enough. We don't want this. We want meat. And so there goes meat, right? But they wouldn't stop complaining. And they would complain and complain and complain. And let, let me tell you what. Let me tell you something. If you ever go and visit a third world country, you will realize we have nothing to complain about. We go in, we go up, we go up to our refrigerators, we open up, and we throw away so much stuff because it goes to waste because we don't even use it. And a lot of times it's like, you know what? There's nothing to eat. <laughs> or you go to your closet and you tell people, oh, you know what? Or you tell your husband or your wife, ah, there's nothing to wear here. And the closet is full of stuff. It's like we always find stuff to complain about. And God is being so patient with us. Not just in our salvation, but in our complaining. And so, in the, in, in the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verse 6, remember after Moses came down with the tablets of the Ten Commandments, and Moses broke them because they were worshiping a cow? God didn't say, you know what, I'm done with you guys. God was patient. And he told Moses, you know Moses, uh, so get, get, on, get, get on the two tablets and bring it out, bring it out to the mountain. I'm going to write in them again. I'm going to be patient with these people. And, and he says in verse 30, chapter 34, verse 6, he says, The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Jehovah, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger. So being patient is being slow to anger. If you get mad too fast, you're not a patient person. Then you need to grow in your patience. Because if you love people, love is patient. And, and he, he said, I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faith. So God is also patient with us when we fail. Have you ever failed God? Have you ever sinned against God? And have you ever asked Him for forgiveness? Has He been patient with you by forgiving you? You know, we fail so many times. We sin so many times. And God is patient with us. In the book of Malachi, instead of being impatient with the Levites for not doing the right thing in the temple, because they, they, they were doing they were doing so many horrible things in the temple, that God could have been impatient with them and just destroyed them. But He was being so patient that in Malachi chapter three verse three, uh, He says he, he will sit like a refiner of silver. So God will patiently see and start cleaning you up. When you fail, when you ask for forgiveness, God will take His time to mold you. To form what's right, what He needs to form in your life. And patiently clean you up. It, it says right here, He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites. These were the people who were serving in the temple, refining them like gold and silver. So he was going to sit there and refine them, refine them, refine them. So that shows passion in God's, on God's part. 
so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. So the Lord will patiently forgive you and transform your life so you can come with a clean heart and offer worship to the Lord. God is so patient with us. And if you really understand how patient God has been with you, then you'll have no problem being patient with other people. You'll have no problem being patient with others. The question is, are we, are we patient the way God is patient with us? Are we patient with others? What about when, when some people you know, are always complaining to us or about us? And they're just annoying. They're always nagging. Do you like, do you like to be around people who, who, who are always nagging? That is annoying. But when you're annoying, that means you're impatient. That means you're impatient. Are you patient with people who complain all the time about negative stuff? But what about when people fail you? Are you patient with people who fail you? Because you fail God all the time. How patient are you with people who fail you? Do you show them love despite of their failures? Despite of their imperfections? Maybe they sin against you? But on this thought, remember what Jesus, uh, what Jesus taught the disciples in Matthew chapter 18? I'm going to show you the verses right now because in Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 to 25, Jesus is trying to show the disciples how patient they need to be with people and forgive people. Uh, you know, verses 23 through 25, uh, the man who had a debt, he had a debt and he could never ever pay this debt. He was going to, and the master, his master said, I'm going to sell you, I'm going to sell your wife, I'm going to sell your kids, I'm going to sell everything you have, and still you're still not going to pay me back. So what did this man do? What did this man do? This man in verse 26 says, But the man fell down before his master. He owed so much to his master that he could never pay him. And he fell before his master and begged him and said, Please. He asked him to be patient with him. He said, Please, Lord, I know I owe you all this. Please be patient with me. And I will pay it all. There's no way he was ever going to be able to pay it all. If you really make numbers of how much he owed him, it was impossible for him to pay. So, what, how did his master respond? Verse 27 says, Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. So he was patient with him. So, God has been patient with us just the way the master was patient with his servant. But this is how his servant responded. This is how he showed thankfulness for the patience of his master. How, how, how did he respond? Verse 28. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. I had just been forgiven by my Lord, by my King, but I'm not willing to forgive you. I asked 
my king to be patient with me, but I'm not willing to be patient with you. Isn't that a real picture of what we go through? We want God to be patient with us. Please, Lord, forgive me again. I messed up again. But when somebody does something wrong to us, it's like, how dare you? And we're not willing to be patient with that person. We're not willing to be patient and to forgive so easily. And so this guy grabs him by the throat and says, I demand instant payment. And then it says in verse 29, his fellow servant, his fellow servant fell down before him and begged him. Begging for a little more time. And you know what he asked him? He asked exactly what he asked the king also. He said, be patient with me, said his, co- his servant. And I will be, and I will pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until his debt was paid in That is so, such an amazing picture of how we are sometimes. God is so patient with us. But a lot of times we are not willing to be patient with others. So we're supposed to be patient and forgive just as God has forgiven us. What about when some people in your life are annoying, nagging, complaining all the time? What about when people fail you and sin against you? God has been patient with us, so we're supposed to be patient with others because love is patient. So what happened after he did this? Is that the end of the story? No, that's not the end of the story. Verse uh, 31, it says that when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgive you that tremendous debt because you plead with me. You asked me for patience, right? Shouldn't you have mercy? Or in other words, shouldn't you have patience on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt, which it was never going to happen. We can never pay God. And just as God has forgiven me, because he's patient with me, I'm supposed to forgive others. Just as he has forgiven. Verse 35. That's what my heavenly father, Jesus said, will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. It's pretty amazing. God has been extremely patient with us. What does the Bible say about this? Let's look at some verses, and, and before we finish, let's look at some, of, some, some extra verses here uh, of what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. It, it says, always be humble and gentle. Always be humble and gentle. And then it says, be patient with each other. Check what it says after that. It says, be patient with each other, making allowance. Do you give people allowance? Well, you're supposed to give people allowance. What is the allowance you're supposed to give for each other's faults? Why? Because we're imperfect. How many times do you think? And how many times we're so impatient? So he says, be patient by making allowance for each other's faults. We are going to fail. 
We are going to mess up sometimes. And the same way we want to be forgiven, we need to forgive others. Shouldn't we treat others the, way, the same way we want to be treated? Do you ever want to be forgiven if, you're, if, 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 you know, if you fail? Of course you do. We all do. So the same way we want to be forgiven, we are supposed to forgive others. So be patient with each other and allow for some, because we're imperfect. When you got married, your husband was very perfect already. When you got married, your wife was imperfect. When you had kids, your kids might have looked like the perfect, but then they start crying and they didn't sound perfect anymore, right? Then they make you go to bed really late. They didn't let you sleep. But allow for that stuff because we're imperfect people. And when we go through that stuff with other people, when we go through these hard times with other people, remember, that's how you're going to grow in patience. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, be patient with one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, have you ever had a complaint against somebody? You might be like, no, not me. Oh, you, we always have complaints about people. We always have. We always have something to say about somebody. No, those people are very gas. Those, those people are gassy person. We are too. We're all. We all are. We all have something to complain about somebody. But it says, if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive that one. Christ forgave you, so you should forgive each other. If Christ has forgiven you, He's not giving you the option whether you like. Would you like to forgive? No. When Peter, Peter came up to Jesus in that other verse, uh, when, when, the, when the servant uh, didn't forgive his, uh, you know, his, his his friend, Peter came up to Jesus before that and he said, "So Lord, how many how how many times should I forgive?" And he thought he was going to say, you know, what seven times, right? Because he's per, the, the perfect number, the number of completion. And he said, how many times did he say? Seventy times seven. So have you ever keep a list of people you need to forgive? Let's see. This is one, this is two, this is three. I bet you, you will never get to 490. You'll never get to it. Unless there's something wrong with it. With you, right? you're going to be writing down that list of you know how many times I've forgiven you. But what Jesus was trying to tell Peter is, you got to be patient with people and forgive them, just as I have forgiven you. In James, one of the marks of a person who is growing in patience is a person who forgives. When you learn to be forgiven, you are growing in your patience. In James chapter 5, James also tells them, and he says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who, uh, who, 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 who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable, uh, you know, the valuable harvest to reap. He says, Lord, be patient. Consider this. It's a process. You know, there are things that we have to wait for. There are things that we have to wait for. And some things are a process. But we like things right away. It's like when you jump on the internet. 
You want that thing to turn on like that. You want the computer to turn on like that. You want the internet to work like that. Just like that. Some people, you, 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 with some people, you have to be patient with. Some of you might have a, somebody in your family that you want them to change. And maybe God wants to change them, but it will take some time. It will be a process. You gotta love them and be patient with them. You remind me of Jacob. Remember when Jacob uh, had to be patient to obtain, to, to, to be married with Rachel? Remember that? How many years did Jacob, how many years did, was Jacob uh, patient for that? Well, first, in the beginning, it was what? Seven years, right? It's like that was not enough for his father in law. And he did another seven years. You know, when you love, you patiently wait. There's no such a thing as a, 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 a person tells you, if you love me, you'll give it to me before time. No, if, if a person loves you, they will wait. They will wait for that right moment. They will wait for that right time. Because that is love. Love is patient. Practicing patience can be a very positive thing in our lives. The benefits of patience are so many. I mean, there's been some studies done that says that if, if, if people that are patient, patient people enjoy better mental health. Patient people are better friends and neighbors. Patient, patient helps us achieve our goals. Patient is linked to good health. Some studies have come up with that stuff. But I tell you that, I, I tell you this, when you love, you will practice patience, and you, when you practice patience, you will avoid a lot of mistakes, and we'll finish with this. But you will avoid a lot of mistakes when you practice patience. What are some of those mistakes you, um, you, uh, you will avoid? Some of those mistakes is, well, a person who develops patience will learn to listen before he speaks. Have you ever speak before time? Have you ever have you ever been too quick to talk? And then you're like, oops, I shouldn't have said that. I should have waited to hear what they were gonna tell me first. And then you feel like you feel embarrassed. And this is uh, this is what James chapter one verse nineteen says. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be to get angry. In other words, be patient and learn to listen. So a lot of times we even get mad at people be, 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 before we even listen to what they have to tell us. So when you are patient, when you develop patience, you learn to to, to listen before you speak. Another benefit of being patient is a person who develops patience will not speak without thinking first. Have you ever have you ever speak without thinking? And that is the worst thing that I can stick that my foot in my mouth and it's like I shouldn't shouldn't say that. Proverbs chapter fifteen verse twenty three says, "Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing when at the right time." But so many times when we're listening to people, check this out. When, when, when somebody's telling us something, a lot of times we're not listening. We are thinking, how are we going to respond? So we're not listening. Because I'm already thinking, what am I going to say? 
And a lot of times we don't think before we talk. You know the benefit of patience is that when you when we develop patience, we can resist the trials and adversities of life. When you're going through trials, when you're going through adversities and you are patient, is the best thing you can do. Because a lot of times it's not a, it, it is a lot of times it's not the moment to act. It's a moment to wait. And to wait in God. God knows what's best at the right time, at the right moment, and when He says so. My brethren, count it all joy, James says in chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, when you all fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you might be perfect and complete. So be patient when you go through trials. It is gonna, it, it's gonna, it's, it's, the, the results are going to be much better. A person who develops patience is a person with good understanding. When you see a patient person, you see somebody, somebody of goal. They got great understanding. That's why they have patience. Proverbs 14.29 says, Whoever is patient has great understanding. But one who is quick-tempered displays fully. You're a fool if you display quick-tempered. You're not, you're not a person with great understanding. And when we develop patience, we will not lose heart. We, we should not lose heart in doing what is right. So as you do what is right, you know you're going to get positive results from doing what's right. A lot of times we get desperate. You know, I keep on doing the right thing, I don't get the results. I keep on doing the right thing, I don't get the results. But this is what Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, in other words, if you have patience, in due time, if you have patience, you will reap if you do not grow weary. You will receive the results of your patience. But you have to give it some time. Patience in a person shows their strength. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. But those who wait, those who are patient in the, on the Lord. I want you to question this before we finish today. Are you patient on the Lord? Are you trusting in the Lord? You know, patience has a lot to do with faith. That you are trusting what God is doing. When He's doing it and how He is doing it. Patience has a lot to do with faith. Those who wait, who have patience on the Lord, should renew their strength. They should mount up with wings like eagles. They should run and not be weary. They should walk and not faint. They'll have the strength because they're waiting and they're, they're waiting on the Lord because they trust in the Lord. When you're impatient, all this goes away. When you have patience, it's because you love. And because that's what, that, because that, that, that's exactly what love does. Now, I can't do this on my own. Can I be patient on my own strength? There's no way. Because my nature is to be patient. 
the only way I can learn to be patient and show love to others by being patient is when God gives me the strength. It's when I depend on God to give me the strength. <coughs> the Holy Spirit lives in you. And patience is one of the expressions of the Spirit in your life. Can we learn it? Yes, we can learn it. Can we grow in it? Yes, we can grow in it. Does it benefit us? Yes, it benefits us and those who we love around us. The question is, remember, love is a decision, not a feeling. Well, I don't feel like being patient. Well, you don't have to feel like being patient. But patient is an action. It's a commitment. Because love is a commitment. And if you love, you are going to have a commitment to be patient with others. Why? Because God has been patient with us. So, I want you to leave this morning and go home or go wherever you're going today and think how am I going to learn to be more patient because that's what love does our Father in heaven we thank you Lord so much we thank you for your work we thank you for what you have uh, spoken to us this morning And we want to pray, Father, that you will help us to be people who develop patience in our lives. It's so easy and simple to say it. But if we're really love, we are supposed to do this. And we want to ask you, Lord, to, to be patient with us. As we grow and develop patience in our lives. Because we know that that's the only way we're going to show love to one another. We want to pray, Lord, that you will give us the strength to grow in this area in our lives. And we pray, Father, that this week we'll be able to go home. And every day we'll wake up and meditate on it. And every day that when we wake up, we, that we will make that decision. Today I'm going to be patient. Today I'm going to be patient. Because that pleases you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your patience on us.
Praise the name of the Lord our God. Our ushers are going to come and we're going to continue our worship and conclude our worship with the giving of our gifts and offerings this morning. We love, why? Because He first loved us. And we give because He first gave. God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And so Lord, as we conclude this morning, as we conclude our worship, we come to give you out of that which you've entrusted into our hands, into our care, as we seek to serve you, and to honor you, and to please you. And so, Lord, our continuing prayer is that you would love through us, that you would be patient through us. Enable us, through the power of your Holy Spirit, to love in the way we've been reminded this morning. We give you thanks for all these things. In the name of Jesus, our patient, patient King. We give you thanks in His name. Amen. Amen.